This morning, we find ourselves back in St. Matthew's fourth great discourse on ecclesiology. He's instructing us on how to be the church. And we find ourselves here on a difficult day, given the lesson. Today is the 10th anniversary of 9-11, and it brings back pain and fear for many, perhaps anger and hatred for others. None of us approach this day unaffected. But yet, on this day, we are challenged by our Lord and the Gospel of Matthew. Challenged in very difficult ways. Last week, Jesus taught us how to settle disputes in the community of the church. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and he alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. We learned last week in that lesson how we are responsible to each other and that true acts of love involve not tolerance, but helping one another overcome sin and distortion. This week, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, our Lord focuses on the church as the house of forgiveness. Now, I love the way this parable begins. Peter asks Jesus, Lord... If another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Now, for those of you who might not be aware, Peter is a zealot. Peter is extremely enthusiastic. He is always the first to speak up. He always goes above and beyond the call of duty. He tests and tries our Lord at every turn and twist. And with this opening question, Peter shows his enthusiasm and piety once more. Peter supposes that he is again pushing the boundary of faith and going above and beyond the call of duty. Peter, by his question, is trying to show forth his piety, his devotion, his great faith. And that he is willing to do way more than what is asked, willing to do way more than the law requires. No one should ever, ever, ever have to forgive that much. It is absurd. In reading the gospel lesson, you have to imagine Peter thinking that Jesus will be amazed at his faith and reply, bless you, Peter. That's way more than anyone should ever forgive. That's a lot more than asked of you. Peter, I'm proud of you. I could just hug you. Now, you must also picture the shock on the face of St. Peter when Jesus does not reply, great job, Peter, but rather, not seven times, Peter, but I tell you, 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Peter, you are to forgive an infinite amount. You are to forgive without ending. And with this reply, the zealous and brave Peter slumps, once again humbled by Jesus Christ. This idea of forgiveness, of course, is unheard of. To forgive and to forgive again over and over without end. It is no wonder Peter's countenance sinks. Jesus ends today's gospel with the example of the unforgiven servant. And he ends with these words. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, bluntly translated, 
if you do not forgive others or you cannot forgive others, prepare yourselves for hell. If you cannot find it in your heart to forgive others, prepare yourselves for torment. If you do not forgive others, you yourselves will not be forgiven. To the modern ear, this seems all wrong. It can't be. We are advanced enough to know that God would never work this way. Or so we think. To the modern believer, faith, the relationship with Jesus, comes about individually and is not intertwined with others. That is to say, a person of faith comes to know Jesus Christ, wants to know more about Jesus Christ, believes in Jesus Christ first, and then that person finds a group of people who share similar ideas. The church, in this way, is secondary at best and not at all necessary. So, as modern Christianity would have it, a saving faith lies in the heart of the individual believer, and that faith can, or maybe not, be lived out in a community of individuals. So, now following the modern American logic of Christianity, forgiveness is a secondary and non-essential business. But the words of Jesus Christ this morning confront that notion, shatter that notion. The words of Jesus Christ challenge to its core the logic of an individual faith. Jesus tells us very clearly faith is held by the church, by the community. And people share in that deposit of faith when they share in the life of the church, when they participate in the life of the church. Faith then is not held by the individual. Faith is participated in when one lives within the life of the church. So then, with that proposition, that thesis, if you will, we are forced to ask the question, if you cannot reconcile with others, can you not still reconcile with God? And Jesus very clearly tells us in Matthew's gospel, no, you cannot. If you cannot forgive others, God will not forgive you, and you cannot truly live within the faith of the church. Now let me explain, because that's a very, very difficult concept. And if we start on the most basic level, what happens to a person when they cannot forgive someone who has wronged them, someone who has trespassed against them? They end up as a shell of a person, eaten away inside with bitterness, with hatred, and remorse. They end up less than human. Through the act of holding a grudge, holding bitterness near to their heart, a person dies inside. They die to goodness, they die to God, and they die to the community. So in that sense, if a person cannot forgive, then a person cannot live to God or live within the community of the church. They don't have the ability because of the bitterness and hatred they hold in their heart. Faith is not something held by the individual. It is something held by the church. Something someone participates in as a member of the body of Christ. If one cannot participate in the community because of bitterness and hatred, that person cannot have faith. At least according to Jesus' words as recorded in Matthew's gospel. When the apostles asked Jesus to teach them to pray, our Lord gave them the prayer we all know and love as the Lord's Prayer. Very short, minimalist prayer, if you will. Contains very few articles. 
We're told to pray for the kingdom of God to come. We are told to pray for the will of God to be done. We are told to ask only for our immediate and daily needs. And we ask for forgiveness of our sins and trespasses as we forgive the sins and trespasses of others. Jesus teaches us in this prayer what is essential, essential to life. First, the kingdom and will of God, the sustenance that God provides us second, and forgiveness from God and our forgiveness of others. God's forgiveness goes hand in hand with our forgiveness of others. To hold a grudge is to walk the road to perdition. So then the all-important question, how do we forgive others? Now, if any of you are anything like me, at times it's very, very hard to forgive other people. Sometimes it seems beyond impossible to forgive others. And if it seems that way, that's because it is impossible. At least on our own accord and under our own power. Some of us have had heinous and horrid acts committed against us. Others of us have been humiliated by others. And still others of us have been ruined by the deeds of men. And so our pain and anguish run deep. So deep that we cannot find forgiveness. Not only can we not find it, we do not want or wish to find it. But find it we must. And to do so, we must pray for grace and for strength. We must pray for mercy. We must pray that God will give us those things we need to find forgiveness for the sins done against us. We must constantly hold those who have done us wrong in prayer. We must constantly offer those people who have committed sins against us to God. We must without fail ask God to help us forgive them for what they have done to us. Now to help us in that venture, we must prayerfully think on, remember, meditate on what God has forgiven us for. For we too, my brothers and sisters, have committed heinous acts against God. We have denied him, mocked him, forgotten him, and even turned against him in our own lives. Now, the finest and first example of this is our beloved and zealous friend, Peter. Peter, who is said to be closest to Jesus, who is said to be the leader of the followers of Christ, the rock, Kaipha, the rock upon which the church is built. Peter, the bold and the brave, denies Jesus Christ three times when Jesus is in his hour of need. In fact, Peter's last act before our Lord's crucifixion and death was to deny knowing him. As Jesus suffers in agony and dies while all around mock and humiliate him, Peter runs away. We all do the same over and over again. Peter was forgiven. We are forgiven. And we must forgive others. Faith is not an individual proposition. Faith is participated in the community. It is held in community. And to live in that community, we have to, must forgive others. Or we will not be forgiven ourselves. 
Our God is a God of forgiveness. Infinite forgiveness. We worship a God whose mercy and forgiveness knows no end and extends to all. And to share in the life of Christ, we must also share in a life of forgiveness. If we share in the life of Christ, we must also share in a life of forgiveness. So beloved, pray. Pray for your enemies and for those who have done you wrong. Pray that you may show them mercy as our Father in heaven shows each and every one of us mercy upon mercy upon mercy upon mercy. And if you cannot find it in your heart to forgive, pray that you may want to forgive. And if you cannot find it in your heart to want to forgive, pray that you may find it in your heart to want to want to forgive. For that is a start. Brothers and sisters, give thanks this day as well. Give thanks for the house of forgiveness. Give thanks to our God who forgives each and every wrong done to him, done to others, and done to us. And let us take our part and share in the faith of the church. Let us commit ourselves to the forgiveness of others so that our Father in heaven will show us the same. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.